Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 444 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. Joined today, Brendan Life, already updating all the projections behind the scenes at 444.com. None other than John Paulson. John, how's it going? It's going pretty good. We're at the camp opening and things are starting to hit. News is starting to hit. So we're adjusting the rankings on a daily basis now, sometimes multiple times daily. And uh, getting into it, the meat of the fantasy season. Our personal lives have all ended, and that's why we will be doing a half PPR mock draft today. But to do that, Paulson, we need another friend to help us out. And who better than one-third of the number one fantasy football podcast on the Apple charts? And the man who, I don't know if you remember, Jason, but actually is responsible for taking my Twitter photo. He, of <laughs> course, is Jason Moore of the Fantasy Footballers. Yes, yes. Uh, it's good times. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Of course. Uh, Paulson, you don't know the story, but at an FSGA many, many years ago that we're all too old to remember now, more Jason actually asked me why I don't have my face as a photo. And I told him because I don't have photos. I don't take them. So he literally took my phone. We were at the bar together. He took my phone and said, stand over there. He just pointed at the table and he actually took that photo. So Jason, we all appreciate you or hate you, honestly. Well, depending to, how you, what do you think of my face? To be fair, the photo turned out awesome you look great uh i mean you're so handsome so you're welcome uh to another bearded person i would say <laughs> you are handsome Aww. but we're not here to compliment one another we are here to do this mock draft together so i say we get started 12 team league half ppr and the best way to do this is for all of us to take our spots in different segments of the draft that way we can explain strategies there i will be picking from the 102 not the 101 because that's too easy uh, you, Jason, will be picking from 1-6 in the middle, and then Paulson, you have the responsibility at one twelve overall. So I say we jump in and get started. Sounds good. And I would just like to mention that, you know, offline, you said that uh, Jason was your favorite fantasy footballer. I wonder how Andy and Mike feel about that. I like Andy because of the Suns and four thing. <laughs> yeah. I just want to mention that. I feel like uh, if the Suns won, I w wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be allowed uh, to to actually have the invite, but your Bucks took us down. So yeah, that, that'll live taken. on forever. And because the Suns will never win a championship, it will last forever. The hitman and I see eye to eye in terms of sneakers, but Jason is my energy. He's my spirit okay. animal. Okay. Sounds good. I just want all to clarify the, that. All the love for the great Andy Holloway, of course, as well. Jamar Chase starts at team one. No big deal. I have Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Tyreek Hill all in the same tier. Whomever you want to pick first, go for it, even though Justin Jefferson's my 101. In this case, since he falls to two, just in case it happens in your home league, I will go ahead and take Justin Jefferson and turn off my sound because that's going to get annoying. What are your thoughts Jason, what has been your strategy so far from the middle of drafts, in particular the first round? The middle of drafts, I think, is a is a tough spot. That's where a lot of people are going. Travis Kelsey, I don't like personally the value of a middle first round tight end that's thirty four. I know he's awesome. Um, I'd rather get Andrews uh, later, but yeah, in in the middle, my strategy is. Pretty much it's usually Eckler or Tyreek Hill. I agree with you. I think Tyreek is in that same tier as those great wide receivers, and it, it depends on the league, right? This has two flex in the one we're doing, so I think wide receivers will be a little bit more important. Have PPR as well. Paulson, what have been your thoughts so far in the middle of drafts? 
Yeah, it sort of uh, goes back to your overall draft strategy. Do you want to go with a hero uh, RB approach? Maybe you take a, a Bijan or an Eckler. Uh, you know, the receivers, like Tyreek Hill worries me a little bit with the suspension. Uh, not necessarily looming, but a possibility for him. So I'm on the clock now. Did you want to talk about Saquon Barkley while I make my pick here? Yes, because team eight here, Saquon Barkley, we obviously know now he's going to be playing on this one-year deal incentive-laden contract as well. And so I have seen some initial reactions saying that he should be bumped up back into the end of the first round. Uh, his ADP is also already rising so much as that at underdog at the 112-201 spots. So how are you handling the Barkley News, Paulson? Well, I, I bumped up his stats today, but didn't really bump him up too much in the half PPR rankings. I think that uh, in PPR, he is jumping up a few spots. Uh, just, you know, I kind of had him missing another half game, uh, sort of expecting him to perhaps hold out. So I think I'm just going to go, uh, since this is half PPR, I'm just going to go with uh, Nick Chubb here. Jason, what about you and how you're handling Saquon Barkley? So I, I had Saquon Barkley when I did all my stats for, for what you know for this season. I had him as the running back three and a half PPR. I was, uh, I think, very confident in his utilization. He has the backfield to himself. The fact that he signed that extra contract and now we know he's going to be there. I'm, I'm, I'm back in on him and, you know, on underdog, you, you were getting him at a big discount for a couple weeks here. For a while there, those that attack Week 17 were easily getting Cooper Cup and the top four picks, and then Saquon Barkley was falling all the way back to him at the end of the second round to make that little stack. Uh, Paulson, you started at 112. Nick Chubb and Stephon Diggs. Is that a strategy you think people should be taking in their home leagues, uh, starting with an anchor running back, for example, instead of wide receiver, wide receiver? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I did this for this particular mock just to see, uh, you know, I like to pick one one running back, one receiver, just so I have options at the next turn. You're, you know, when you're picking at the end like this, it's, you're kind of at the mercy of the rest of the draft and you don't have so many picks between your drafts that, or between your picks that you might be uh, screwed if you were to go two receivers here or two running backs here, you may not have the uh, depth on the board uh, at your next turn. Um, you know, frankly, I'm just trying to keep up with this mock. I mean, these guys are picking so fast, these robots. I think we are going to get uh, replaced by AI here before too long. AI is coming for us all, whether we like it or not. Uh, AJ Brown goes after you take Stephon Diggs, Paulson. Devontae Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Patrick Mahomes, the first quarterback in the mid-second. Derrick Henry then, and then it falls to you, Jason, in the middle to get your first receiver with Garrett Wilson. Do you have Garrett Wilson ranked over that group that went beforehand, or is he just the best player left on the board for you? No, I I, I would have gone the same order that the ADP went. Um you know, for me, when I was on the board, I took Eckler in the first round, and kind of like Paulson here, I really like having one running back, one wide receiver in a format like this and half PPR to start. Gives me more flexibility in the third. I was considering Josh Jacobs. Um, I, you know, I think he's going to have an excellent year as well. But with Eckler in the first, Garrett Wilson, he's one of those uh, rare guys left that has overall number one uh, wide receiver capabilities. Also from the chat, Jason, do you have a particular spot that you would take if you got to choose? I would think 101 has the highest equity, but if it's another spot, please let us know. 
Yeah, it's it's the 104 because to me the 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 I don't really care. I don't see a huge gap between Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. To me they are all willing and able to be the best pick. So I don't mind taking the the leftover fourth option there and then having a better pick in the second. So from the 102, my argument against Christian McCaffrey is not against the player. It is what is happening in drafts right now for those just diving back into home league redraft formats. And that is if you pass on Christian McCaffrey, instead get one of those elite wide receivers at the top of drafts, what comes back to you then is usually some group of Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Brees Hall, Ramondre Stevenson, all who I personally have in the same tier. And so that's the reason I'm passing on McCaffrey is because I think I can get an RB1 and the second or third round as well. And in this case, I will be going Tony Pollard as my RB1. As the board at 101 goes Jalen Hurts, Ramondre Stevenson, leaving Brees Hall and Chris Olave as the next players on my board. Mark Andrews, if we were doing a full PPR, but again, just a half PPR, I'm actually going to click Brees Hall here and probably target receivers coming back to me. What about you, Jason? Uh, what do you think about that crop of running backs that right now are being left over at that second, third round turn? Yeah, you you bring up a good point. The wide receivers this season have flown up the boards. The ADPs all have them going higher than you know what we've seen in the last four or five years. So it does push a lot of the quality running backs to that two, three turn. Um, I don't have those guys in the same tier as Christian McCaffrey personally. Uh, but it's it's still really good. If, if you look at the wide receivers that are available at the 2-3 turn versus the running backs, right now, the way that the ADP lies, it, it, I tend to agree that the running backs are a little stronger there. And I don't know if you're going to take him here, but I do know you are very high personally on Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I mean, Jameer Gibbs is a great talent. Um, uh, you know, I, I love any incoming rookie that's got, you know, top 15 draft capital. Um, where I'm at right now is pretty much an automatic Mark Andrews pick for me if if he is available uh, when it's my turn to pick. I, you know, I, I brought it up earlier when I said that in the first round that 106, that's usually the Travis Kelsey zone, and I prefer the value of a Mark Andrews in the third and grabbing an Austin Eckler versus you know right now if I were to switch and go Kelsey and. Uh, Najee Harris or Jameer Gibbs, I prefer having it with uh, with a better running back. Mark Andrews did also average and increase 11.8 half PPR points per game in the 11 full games he played with Lamar Jackson. So he was the tight end too. And as we know, Kelsey, only the ninth tight end since 2008 to average over 14.5 points per game. Historical anomaly that usually doesn't happen. Paulson. It's back to you now with the RB1, wide receiver one, and Chubb and Diggs start. What are you thinking at the back? Yeah, I mean, surprised to see Gibbs still on the board here. I think he uh, is, a, is a strong pick here as I'm trying to – I want to curse whoever set this up because I'm immediately on the board for two picks while Jason gets to wax uh, nostalgic about his how he's going to take Mark Andrews when he's on. So I'll go ahead and take uh, – Jamar, uh, Jameer Gibbs here. I think he's a, a very solid pick. Um, Burrow went. I'm doing old school today, guys. I got the piece of paper. So, you know, that is, a, I was, uh, you know, I was 
going to test out some software as well, but um, we are, we, here we are. Uh, so I've got Gibbs. I think, you know, you see a little bit of a drop off, I think at some of these other positions, Olave went. Uh, so I think it's a good time to perhaps take a quarterback here with uh, Lamar Jackson still on the board. Lamar Jackson, of course, so you cannot complete your stack, Jason. Uh, Paulson, do you have Gibbs ranked over Etienne, Najee, and Ken Walker? Is that a stance you'd be willing to take in redraft leagues? What were the Walker and who else? Gibbs alongside Etienne, Najee Harris, and Ken Walker. How are yeah, you I've handling got, that? I've got him ahead of those of those guys. Uh, I think Najee is sort of there um, due to the workload. But um, definitely ahead of a ATN. It's now back to you, Jason. Poached with your stack, but you do have running back, wide receiver, tight end. What is your next thought here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was really hoping that Joe Mixon made it to me, and I was thrilled that I was thrilled that Paulson took Lamar Jackson. I think that that is a a solid pick. I would have been forced to take him if he got to me to complete the stack. Uh, I think the value in the fourth is great, but I hate when I get both onesie positions, if I were to spend two top four picks on tight end and quarterback, I'm just going to be so weak. So um, right now I'm looking, I can go running back or wide receiver. I like Aaron Jones. I like Miles Sanders. Um, but for me, having kind of the the hero RB with Eckler in the first, I'm going to lean towards wide receiver. I like Terry McLaurin a lot this year. Um, I believe that he is a little undervalued right now in ADP. I would have preferred Keenan Allen dropping to me. He got close, but uh, I'll, I'll take Terry McLaurin here. Paulson, I know you two are very high on McLaurin this year. Yeah, I just uh, re released a video on my Instagram, uh, 444 underscore John. Follow me over there. Trying uh, to get the kids to follow you. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's going off the board wide receiver 23. I think I have him ranked wide receiver 15 or 16. So this is uh, a, where he should be going, in my opinion, in the middle of the fourth round. Uh, do you guys... I mean, I wanted to ask you this question, too, because I sort of took uh, Lamar Jackson because I saw a little bit of a drop-off at, at receiver and at running back. Um, is that something you guys would do uh, if there's a, still an elite quarterback on the board? With, I mean, Jackson has QB1 upside. Uh, is, that, is that a pick that you guys would make based on the tiers that uh, are sort of left at the other positions? Yeah, for, for me, I, I think Lamar Jackson is a, is a really, really good value because he has – the ability of the Josh Allen and, and Jalen Hurts and, uh, you know, those crazy mobile quarterbacks, but you're not, you're not getting them in the second round. Um, so there's a few quarterbacks I target where I feel like tier-wise there's a huge drop-off. It's Lamar Jackson, and then a little bit later, uh, I still think Herbert has huge potential. You know, he just had a down year last year when he was playing without his wide receivers and broken ribs. Herbert, Fields, Lamar Jackson, I have them all pretty much side by side, but I don't hate nitpicking between the three. In this case, I'm curious to get your thoughts, Jason, because is there a particular player or spot you think the RB dead zone hits? Because I agree with you. I like Joe Mixon and Jameer Gibbs quite a bit, but when we get to ETN, Najee Harris, Ken Walker, player who are very dependent on touches – that's when I think, really, I start shying away from running backs for a handful of rounds. Yeah, I, I mean, the the running back dead zone shifts every year, and, and this year I think it's been pushed down a little bit because of the wide receivers going earlier. But it's it, it's not about the round. It's about, yeah, the, the, the players. Are you drafting talented 
players with workloads who's going to catch the ball, you know, the, the, just what everybody wants? Or are you going, I need a running back because I don't have one, and so I guess I'll take this guy who I need. And and that's usually the, the mistake. Take Take talent. Speaking of taking talent, I'm eyeing a double tap at wide receiver here, especially with two flex spots, two starting wide receivers. Uh, again, we are in this spot and range of running backs with J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce, Cam Akers, Alexander Madison, if you want to push them up in rankings on the board. Uh, not a position I'm comfortable with for running back. So parsing through the wide receivers, all who are the same guys, in my opinion, uh, I will go Jerry, Judy, and Christian Watson and cross my fingers. Any thoughts on Christian Watson this year, Jason? Because I do think he's much more volatile than people are giving him credit for, though the ceiling is obviously sexy. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a player where I think every single analyst has had great thoughts and terrible thoughts. Uh, you know, complete wild card. I have landed on betting on the talent. Uh, I, you know, I, I believe he is really, really talented. He is a hyper athlete better than, um, you know, than all the great NFL athletes. You saw that on a per touch basis last year when he went to the senior bowl, he absolutely dominated. And, you know, I, I'm, I think that when he's had the opportunities, he's done great stuff with it. So you, you know, you bet on what you see from the middle of the draft and this kind of format with two flex spots. Are you allowing the board to come to you, or do you think there's a specific strategy you want people to be targeting, like flexing wide receivers, flexing running backs? No, in the in the middle of the draft, it really is let the let the board come to you. You stay water. I you know I I could see myself starting with three running backs, starting with three wide receivers, pivoting. You know, just depending on who's who's on the board. Um, you know, I've done so many drafts from the middle where they turn out just wildly different. It's just a matter of who falls to you. Um, you know, earlier I, I said you bet on talent. In this range, um, I, I want talented wide receivers, usually over running backs, but Miles Sanders fell to me, and I am actually really high on Miles Sanders this year. I, I believe, um, I mean, it's, you, you know, if you've seen the video of uh, Miles Sanders, head coach, the general manager, all – talking about his work in the receiving game how important that is getting him to 50 catches like I I think he will be involved in the in the receiving game the depth chart there the money they gave him um, and he's a talented guy with I believe a good offensive line so I don't love the fact that he's got a rookie quarterback but uh, Miles Sanders I when I finished my my stats I was like oh my gosh I have Miles Sanders way too high so I've I've moved him down a little bit but I do believe in him I do agree with you because as you mentioned, it was GM, coach, running backs coach, and even Miles Sanders himself, who all said we are trying to get him involved in the passing game as a three-down back this year. He's the one player in that dead zone range where I do worry that maybe the volume is too much like a Najee Harris, and thus he's a terrific bet on ADP. It's back to you, Paulson. We bided enough time for you to gather your thoughts so you weren't scrambling to Instagram for followers. So what are you doing at the back here now? Yeah, I was. I got sniped by Team 11. I wanted Kittle here, uh, but I'll take his teammate, Brandon Ayuk. I was kind of looking at my roster. I've got two running backs, at one receiver, and a quarterback coming into this uh, turn. And uh, I would like. I do like a good tight end, but uh, 
And there is a bit of a drop-off here after uh, Goddard and Waller. Uh, so I'm just confirming who I have higher. I have Waller a bit higher. So I'm going to go ahead and nab uh, him here with the uh, 6-1 pick. After Travis Kelsey, since he's the most obvious pick, Paulson, how are you handling that next couple of tiers of tight ends? What do you suggest people do, in particular at the back of drafts with them? Yeah, so it sort of depends on if you're in a tight end premium league, uh, things are, you know get bumped up. Uh, but in a regular half PPR or full PPR format, I think Jason had hit the nail on the head. Mark Andrews in the third round is a really nice value. And I did notice in my other uh, charity draft over at Data Force that uh, TJ Hawkinson slipped really far as well. So you know those are two really good values if you want to for- forego uh kelsey in the first round i think you can get some really good uh value on either andrews in the middle of the third uh in this draft uh hawkinson slipped to 512 which i think is uh really good value there uh given his 8.6 targets per game that he saw uh, after coming over to to the vikings but i do want one of these better at least top half top six type uh tight ends and i think waller has a chance if he can stay healthy uh, which is the big question with him? He's he's probably going to lead this team, uh, the Giants, in in targets, and he, you know you could see him finishing top three pretty easily if he plays uh, 15, 16 games. For those listening to the podcast, Mike Williams, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Brandon Ayuk, and Michael Pittman off the board next among wide receivers, and you take it upon yourself, Jason, to then draft Tyler Lockett as your first flex option. I want to hear you talk about Lockett because all Paulson and I have done all offseason are tell everyone to get higher on Lockett. Mm, Then we are in agreement. I had to stop. I had to make a rule like for myself in underdog that I'm not allowed to draft Tyler Lockett anymore because my exposure was like it was just if an injury happens. I mean, I had him everywhere. I don't understand how he could be drafted where he's, you know, he's been a top 15 wide receiver forever he's talented, he's in the same system. JSN comes in, and all of a sudden, Tyler Lockett is just completely discounted. Tyler Lockett is awesome. Um, so I'm happy, thrilled to get him in the six. And also, when I look at the quarterback situation, you know, I, I played the weighted out game, and I feel like all the quarterbacks that I really love, they're all gone. I was hoping Trevor Lawrence made it back to me. So at this point, there's a few guys that I like. You know, I would go after Tua, um, in a couple rounds here, but Gino is kind of my fallback option super late. So maybe I'll have that little Gino locket stack. And everyone thinks because of his profile that Metcalf is the one who ends worlds and it wins your week for you. But quietly, Lockett and Metcalf have played 32 games together the last two seasons, and it's Lockett who has five top five finishes in that span. Metcalf only has one when he's playing with Lockett. Lockett actually has the higher ceiling than Metcalf as well, despite the way he's consistently treated year over year in fantasy football. Go ahead, Paulson. I was just going to say that, you know, listening to Jason and looking at his team, I think he and I need to co-own a high stakes team at some point because we're really – I the Ayuk Lockett pick was really tough for me. I have those two tied in my rankings. I just – I think – Ayuk is ahead by a fraction of a point. So that was a tough decision. I was sort of hoping that Lockett might be back, uh, make it back to 712, but that's uh, kind of a pipe dream. Uh, you know, uh, you know, just, just given the 80, you know, that these, these picks are taken by ADP and you also have smart people picking six and two. Uh, but 
you know, he's he's Andrews in the third, or Eckler in the first, Andrews in the third, McLaren uh, in the fourth, Miles Sanders, I think. Uh, just to comment on Jason's uh, fifth round pick is that he, you know, they, they want to get him involved as a receiver and he did catch a lot of passes as a rookie. He could be a bell cow. I think the one concern with Sanders is perhaps uh, durability, uh, but that's kind of a good problem to have if you have a bell cow and you're, you know, you're hoping that he stays healthy. And then I think Lockett coming back is a great, great pick in the six. So this is one of the reasons why I do like to take a running back or two early because you can get guys like McLaurin uh, Lockett in those middle rounds. I love finding uh Number one receiver, real world number one receivers, though, in the middle and middle rounds, and those guys can explode and, and have top 10, top 12 seasons. I feel like I just hit the first fork in the road of the draft and having four wide receivers, Deontay Johnson, and then the 101 for those listening goes Cam Akers and Marquise Brown. Thus, I have an opportunity to continue stacking wide receivers for flex options or pivot and go running back. In this case, I go Rashad White over David Montgomery. Those are my two highest ranked right here. But I also don't hate if someone were to go even heavier at wide receiver and tack on Jackson Smith and Jigba, Traylon Burks, perhaps Jordan Addison or Jahan Dotson in this range as well. Anyone in that group of wide receivers, Jason, stand out to you? Uh, yeah, I, I love uh, Jordan Addison. I, I think that he's very talented as as a wide receiver obviously you know a Bolitnikoff award winner but when you are going to a role where you know Adam Thielen ran the number the second most routes in the NFL and you have to guard Justin Jefferson I just think the opportunity is going to be there for him to have a really good rookie season so I'm 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 pretty pretty bullish on on Addison another question from Drewski here Paulson uh, thoughts on early quarterback, because what we're seeing, as Jason talked about earlier, is that, yes, the big three, Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts, all going in the top 30 picks on both underdog and DraftKings right now. But for redraft leagues, do you think that should remain consistent, or would you change that approach? I think, you know, I think that we, what we're seeing is that uh, the quarterback is becoming a more important fantasy position, and it's not as easy to find, uh, you know, good solid QB one numbers in the later rounds. And some of these, some of these quarterbacks are so prolific uh, with the rushing and the throwing of the football that they're able to carry teams to, to wins in every, you know, in any given week. So, you know, I think there's tiers and I think uh, it's, it's kind of set up the right way right now with Hertz, Allen and Mahomes. You really can't go wrong with those three. Uh, then you have, you know, Jackson Burrow and Fields, uh, you know, Jackson and Fields have that, amazing upside burrow just feels like a really safe qb5 qb4 every year uh and then you have uh, i think herbert and lawrence uh the next two that went in our in our draft here and herbert with uh we talked about a little bit earlier but kellen moore coming in as offensive coordinator i think that helps him uh quite a bit lawrence was really solid but then after, after you get you know past lawrence it starts to get a little dicier uh so uh then you might want to wait and uh, grab a, a geno smith uh, or, you know, do the or Daniel Jones type uh, later on in the draft. Just being higher on that next year, Jason, of the Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Justin Field, what we talked about, does that make you then avoid paying the tax on those big three? Or if they fall to the right range, do you still not mind taking them? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't grab them in the second round. If if I can do a stack late in the third, uh, you know, where where they're, you know, if they drop there, uh, I am willing to do that. But I, I, I think it's a mistake right now because, 
I mean, we always think everything's going to happen like it happened last year, um, and it never does. If what happened last year happens again this year, then they're great picks. Those three guys lapped the field, and they are worth being drafted in the second round. The problem is, if they don't lap the field, you're drafting them at their ceiling. They have to be great, and not only do they have to be great, but Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields and all those other players have to not be great because otherwise, you know, one only one team is going to win the championship. And if you can get a great quarterback in the fifth round and pair him up with a great running back in the second or wide receiver in the second, your your team's just going to be better, even though Josh Allen will be great. And right now, I do not have a quarterback at the 102 yet, but a couple sleepers I still have in mind that I think will fall. Paulson, you tacked on Gabriel Davis and Alvin Kamara at the end. So your thoughts on those players? Yeah, I was looking at uh, Pickens and Dotson there uh, with Gabe Davis. I still believe in Gabe Davis. I uh, I think he you know, had that ankle injury. He played to play through that. He's got – it was a funny stat. He's got 17 touchdowns in his last 24 games. Uh, they often come in bunches. <laughs> but that's still a, a, a nice player to have, a nice value to have even as your wide receiver three, which is, or wide receiver four, which is, I mean, I haven't wide receiver three. Uh, and I think Dotson has a lot of upside uh, as well. He did very well uh, last year with McLaurin uh, and, and some sketchy quarterback play there in Washington. Uh, showed some good route running ability as well. Uh, Pickens is interesting with uh, Kenny Pickett uh, entering his second season. Not the greatest separator, but he's a monster in the contested catch. Uh, could be a, a real big factor in the in the red zone if Pickett uh, pick can figure out how to throw touchdowns. And then for my second pick, I was kind of debating this, but Kamara, um, you know, we're looking, we're kind of bracing for a suspension. I think it'll be four games or thereabouts, and so he could be at, at the eight in the eight one pick, uh, a game changer for me if you know he comes back and his his usual self, uh, you know, a big factor in that uh, Saints running and passing game. So I think he's worth the risk there. Uh, you know, on a per game basis, he would be ranked higher uh, in, in the rankings. And after Alvin Kamara goes at the back to you, the next running back to come off the board is to you, Jason, with Antonio Gibson. Uh, some people may think that Brian Robinson is the number one running back there, but your thoughts on Gibson and taking him ahead of Robinson. Oh yeah, I would. I I won't have Robinson on my teams, and I will have plenty of Antonio Gibson. Um, I I believe that Antonio Gibson is going to be in the J.D. McKissick role. He's a great receiver. I want the pass catching. This is a guy who he's been a top twelve fantasy running back two times already. He's really talented, and with McKissick out of the way, I think he'll he'll get enough work in the receiving game uh, to be a good value. I I. You know, when I took David Montgomery the last round, it was because there was a handful of wide receivers that I really liked, uh, Jordan Addison, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Gabe Davis, and they all went. So um, I felt like uh, where I was uh, on the clock, I, I'm not huge into uh, Michael Thomas right now. I mean, maybe that could work. I just I just don't like betting on guys who haven't done it in a long time that are old. So I went Antonio Gibson. Comes back to me, and I take a stand on one of my favorite mid-round tight ends, Pat Fryermuth, over Evan Ingram and David Njoku. Um, just talking about the target tree there with Pittsburgh. 
Friermuth only played seven full games with Kenny Pickett last year as both were in and out of the lineup. But in those seven full games, Friermuth was still second on the team in targets, uh, 19.9% target share behind Deontay Johnson's 22.5%. And again, it's a passing offense. We expect to regress since last year, all of them should have scored more touchdowns based on historical anomalies. Uh, Evan Ingram then goes off the board, Zach Charbonnet up next, and then I will round it out here being ahead on Samaji Pirine. Yes, the Javante Williams news. Let's actually, Jason, what do you think about the Javante Williams news now that he is reported to camp and they're reportedly easing him back in to training camp right now? I, you know, it, it's really crazy to me. I've, I've been completely out on Javante the entire offseason based on the, the specifics of his injury. But the fact that he didn't go on pop. You know that they it's so easy to put anyone on pup. They could take him off whenever they want. And if he stays off the pup and keeps working, it reminds me a lot of uh last year being out on Chris Godwin and saying his injury, his timeline, oh, maybe he'll be back by November. And then they didn't place him on the pup to start training camp. And you went, Really? You just don't believe it. And I still don't believe it. I'm very skeptical, but I'm gonna be paying attention because if he never if he never gets placed on there maybe he's just a fast healer and and obviously he's talented but I have been more on the Pirine side and less on the Javante side for the entirety of the offseason up till like two days ago what did you do with the projections Paulson following the Javante news yeah, he moved up you know we had some positive news in the OTAs where he was out on the field and doing some work and so I think at that point I moved bumped him up a couple spots and then this news last week or this week that he was not on pup at all. I did bump him up another few spots. So he's, I think RB 20 now, uh, intriguing player. I do think that Sean Payton, the, maybe the thing that's kind of going under discussed is that he, you know, Sean Payton has never really had a bell cow back or he typically likes to split stuff. So I think P Ryan will have value certainly early in the season. Javante and P Ryan are likely to split the work. Uh, but you know, I think, I think by end of September, Williams probably is in a lead back role and maybe kind of look at him, like the, you know, you know, P Ryan's probably more the be the better pass catcher. Uh, so you could look at him as like as the Kamara, but I think skill wise and talent wise, Javante's probably more the Kamara and uh, P Ryan more the Ingram. I, mean, I think just think the passing rushing roles are going to be reversed a little bit from what we saw in New Orleans. Is there any wide receiver you would have taken? over a running back in my position, Paulson. Michael Thomas was still on the board, as Jason talked about, Zay Flowers, and the next up, just in terms of ADP, are Cortland Sutton, Rashad Bateman, Jamison Williams, and Elijah Moore. Yeah, I think Michael Thomas uh, is intriguing, and I, I get the Jason's being leery of him and, and you know, guys that haven't played in a while that are old, but, you know, getting, getting a guy of his talent uh, in the ninth round – uh, and even last year when he did play, he was very productive. So, you know, it's worth the risk, I think, at that point in the draft, getting a player of that caliber. Uh, even if it doesn't pan out, it's probably a better play than some of these younger uh, receivers that uh, just aren't proven at all. Uh, so I might have taken Thomas there. I did take him, I believe, in uh, Scott Fishbowl. Uh, he's an intriguing player at that point in the draft. It comes back to you, Jason, and you make the decision – to draft Anthony Richardson 
ahead of Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, and Daniel Jones, just to give people that range of players. So your thoughts on Richardson? Yeah, this is the first time I've drafted Anthony Richardson in any draft. I, I haven't been very bullish on him, and I see him just like when I'm looking at the players available and the quarterbacks I'm going to end up with. I'm probably going to end up with Geno Smith or an Aaron Rodgers to stack with Tyler Lockett or, or Garrett Wilson. And so Anthony Richardson to me is in this point of the draft, he, I'm drafting my backup quarterback. And it's weird to do that before I get my starter, but I think it's a legitimate strategy this season because you get the, he's like the only player that I can remember doing this with, um, where I'll grab a last-round quarterback who's probably going to be starting for me week one, but Anthony Richardson could be a nuclear option, a great fantasy asset um, that is a, a league-winning type and style of quarterback uh, should it happen, but uh, I, I won't leave him alone on this roster. Are you usually taking one quarterback, that's it, and one quarterback yeah. leagues? Okay, I just want to yeah, make sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I, I this the, Anthony Richardson is his own thing. It's the only time I I could imagine grabbing two. I, I guess maybe if you want to take like a last round shot on Kyler, um, there there there's very few reasons I would ever draft two quarterbacks. But I'm gonna do it because I'm crazy. Uh, all right, so I'm back on the clock here. Um, I you know I just don't love the wide receivers. I like my roster needs a wide receiver. Um but I'm not in love with the options here. Um, so I'm going to just grab guys that I believe in the talent of, and I'm going to take Kendra Miller, rookie uh, running back who, man, did I love his film. Uh, if, you know, if the uh, season starts with Kamara out for a month and uh, if Kendra's healthy and active there, I think he will turn heads and really shock and surprise with, um, with how talented he is. The wide receivers left on the board right now, Elijah Moore, Alan Lazard, Adam Thielen, Jacoby Myers, next up in ADP. That's what you decided to deter from. Quarterbacks remaining, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, and Jared Goff next up. Paulson, speaking of Anthony Richardson, how do you see Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman producing, assuming Anthony Richardson is starting a majority of games for this offense? Yeah, I mean, Anthony Richardson's kind of a black box. We don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like. Uh, we have an idea. You know, Shane Steichen ran the offense in Philly. Uh, so my projections really project uh, Richardson for the same type of rushing workload that Hertz had. Uh, and, you know, just looking at his college stats relative to uh, most NFL rookies, he would run the ball quite a bit, but not that much but i think bumping up his rushing makes a lot of sense given uh his passing skill set and what steichen did with with hertz so i think he's got a big um i think he's got a big upside uh we just don't know what he's gonna how much how good of a thrower he's gonna be and uh you know i think i'm worried about Pittman. uh i believe in his talent uh but the question is can he uh see enough volume there to support uh, his ADP, which his ADP is pretty low right now. So, you know, kind of like, uh, Michael Thomas getting a, getting a Pittman seventh round, he went sixth round in this draft, but if you get him in the seventh round, uh, late sixth, uh, you're getting a really good player at a certain point in the draft where, you know, if he had a quarterback that we were sure about, uh, he'd be going a lot earlier, third round, maybe fourth round. 
It comes back to me. Kirk Cousins goes off the board to producer Sal at 105. And Geno Smith, one of my, probably my favorite mid-round quarterback, uh, I take as my QB1 here. Just the fact that he has three wide receivers going in the first seven rounds. And I tend to prioritize stacking less in simple 12-team leagues. It becomes less of a priority to me. Thus, I think Geno Smith, uh, getting that receiver equity, is an amazing QB one here. Um, it's back to you though, Jason from the middle. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm looking at wide receiver here and there's, there's a lot of guys I don't like, like Adam Thielen, uh, who, you know, he'll have volume. He'll be the number one, but he'll be irrelevant. Um, and then there's, there's shots that I could take so much deeper guys that I like that are much lower in ADP. Um, I prefer younger players. So I'm going to go with a second year guy, who I think will lead the team in targets in Romeo Dobbs, reach down a little bit. And um, that's the way that I statted him out. I talked about liking Christian Watson. Obviously, going to Jordan Love, we don't, we don't know. Is he, is he good? Is he bad? Is he great? Uh, but I do believe that Dobbs will be the number one target in the offense. And so to grab a number one target that is young with upside in the, what is this, the 11th round? I'm fine. Yes. I'm fine with that. Speaking of second-year players... What are your thoughts on Kansas City's ongoing situation? Kadarius Tony now out at least until week one. We don't know beyond that following surgery. So what are you doing with the Chiefs wide receivers now? Yeah, there's been debate among the three of us at the fantasy footballers here. I am, uh, I'm on an island. I'm, I'm by myself here that I, I really like Rushy Rice. I, that's where I'm putting my bet. Now, I, I think all of us here are putting the bet that there isn't going to be a dude. There's not going to be one that just emerges and is Tyree Kill. You know, it's Travis Kelsey, and then it's going to be a smattering of other options that, you know, this week it's MVS, this week it's Sky Moore, the, you know, etc. But I like Rushy Rice. Um, I think he, he, you know, he's a player that I liked before the NFL draft, and he has an opportunity to do something great. Sky Moore, to me, had the opportunity. He played a lot, and he just didn't hit for me. So the other two guys are more on Sky Moore. I'm on, uh, I'm on Rice. Rasheed Rice also has an advantage because he played – he ran 94% of his routes from the slot in 2021 and then 87% of his routes from the boundary last year. So he has experience – and produced at both spots in college. Thus, no no matter how they want to use him, if there's an opening on the field in three wide sets, he can play at both positions. Whereas, I don't even know if Kadarius Toney can be a boundary receiver. I have no idea if he can start in two wide sets, but I think Sky Moore can because he played both spots last year. So, that's why I think if we're just playing the game of fantasy football, Kadarius Toney was always kind of the odd man out even though people were taking stances on him five rounds earlier than either Sky Moore or Rasheed Rice. Your thoughts, Paulson, on the Chiefs wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, Kadarius Tony. it's not like he had a scope. I had two scopes in uh, college uh, playing basketball, and I was back three weeks uh, to, a, to a month back playing. So, you know, I think he'll be out there for week one pretty easily. Uh if he had similar to what I had, which was just basically torn cartilage, uh, it sounded like they did a cleanup with the scope. The, the scope's just not very invasive, so it allows you to heal faster. There's not that much damage done to the knee uh, in terms of cutting it open and getting in there. So uh, it just, I mean, this is just the, the issue with Kadarius Tony is that, you know, on a 
per touch basis. He's amazing. He was really high in yards per route run uh, last season. Uh, previous season with the Giants, he was very hard in yards per route run, which is a good indicator of future success. Uh, but can he stay healthy? That's the big question. Uh, Sky Moore, you know, Jason alluded to it, did get some playing time. It was roughly, it was under 30% though, snaps. Uh, I do, they did, they have been talking about him as making big strides uh, this year. And, you know, I'm, I'm worried that if we, you know, bank on another rookie, that we're just going to get another Sky Moore year. So that's my concern with Rice. Uh, so I, I would lean right now Sky Moore, uh, but, you know, they've got Justin Ross there and, you know, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to play a lot because he they they spent a lot of money on him. So it's uh it's really Kelsey or you know or bust at this point. Uh, you know you can get some of these guys later, uh, and they're cheap. They're cheap uh, rolls of the dice, but uh, not a lot of confidence in any of them right now. We are dealing with thinner benches as well. Uh, just four bench spots. A starting kicker and defense producer Sal. You're making us draft kickers and defenses. What are we doing here? Uh, but I will say for for thinner benches, I do want to target upside personally. Um, that's when like players like Rashad White and Christian Watson last year, you want to force your league mates. You, you want everyone to make hard decisions like that to keep these players. Since as we remember, Christian Watson was unusable until week 10. You want to force your benches to make those kind of tough cuts for fun waiver wires. Do you handle it the same way, Jason, for thin benches? Do you target upside? Yeah, I mean, it depends on a little bit what I did in the draft uh, ahead. Did I I draft uh, very volatile players early and now I kind of want a veteran presence that's just going to get a lot of volume? Then I, I might go that way. Otherwise, a lot of times with my last pick or two, what I'm trying to find is like a like a Rushy Rice, someone that you can you can draft, and if it doesn't work out in the beginning of the season, you just cut him and move on. Week one, you, you, week one, you need players to cut because the waiver wire is so hot. So I I like taking shots on that type of you know player where you, there's there's a path, and you think you're going to find out week one, and you know if it doesn't work out, then great, move on. And I think one of those players, Paulson, was. Roshan Johnson, who you took in the back of the last draft, uh, someone that may have a role. I think he'll be active for special teams. He was a captain on special teams at Texas, but he may not get touches early on. So your thoughts on the Bears backfield and Roshan in particular? Yeah, that's a weird that's a weird backfield to sort of gauge. And, you know, what more I studied Roshan Johnson and, I you know, I love that his Twitter handle is just at Roshan. I mean, that's right there. That's really cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, really good player, good runner, uh, you know, playing behind, uh, Robinson there at, at Texas, uh, didn't get, a, you know, the spotlight shined on him, but he averaged almost as many yards per carry as the generational talent ahead of him. Uh, and this is a wide open backfield you know, you, Herbert did have some good, uh, adjusted or, uh, advanced stats. I, I thought about him at my last turn, uh, Damien Harris, Cal- uh, Herbert, but uh, John, your um, stats on on Harris kind of pushed me towards him in terms of the touchdown upside for Damian Harris. Uh, took Odell Beckham because uh, you know looking at what's going on with Rashad uh, Rashad Bateman, uh, his injury uh, and being on pup or whatever it was. I guess he wasn't reporting to the team. Some weirdness there. Beckham's still a good player. Uh, got the stack there with uh, Lamar Jackson, Rondo Moore. I'm really I think he's a very undervalued player. Uh, Played a lot last year, and when he was healthy, he was very productive. 
so I liked my last two turns. You mentioned you needed receivers, Jason. So you added Romeo Dobbs or she Rice, and then this past round, Van Jefferson. Yeah, Van Jefferson to me is a is a sleeper right now. You know, the the Rams imploded last year. Everything fell apart. Nothing was good. Um, Allen Robinson was on the field too much, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, another year removed from the injury, Matthew Stafford back. The depth chart says Van Jefferson's going to be on the field. I think he'll actually be a pretty involved um, wide receiver. He's not necessarily like the super upside type pick we were talking about with these last picks. Uh, but it fills out my roster pretty nicely. I, you know, I said earlier I was planning on getting two quarterbacks with Anthony Richardson, but I'm not going to just draft. You know, I, if Geno came to me, if Aaron Rodgers came to me, Daniel Jones, those types, then that's great. I think there's six auto teams that have two quarterbacks in this league, so I'm, I'll just roll with Anthony Richardson. One tight end, one quarterback for me as well in these types of leagues, and then we can find ways to stream, know who to cut, in between it comes back to you paulson as we get into the final two rounds 14th and 15th and we start looking at sleepers and just players everyone need to target in the later rounds you have michael gallup and gus edwards added at the end yeah gallup uh you know last year coming back from the with the acl you know he was okay but i think this is the year where he's getting back to his full speed uh third option in that in that passing game with brandon cook's uh, and C.D. Lamb there. They lost uh, Dalton Schultz. I, I do like Jake Ferguson as a sleeper there at tight end. Uh, but just, you know, kind of a guy uh, in the 13th round that if there's an injury ahead of him could turn in starter numbers. And then Gus Edwards, I'm kind of watching this J.K. JK Dobbins situation. His, it doesn't sound like his, you know, he's fully healthy. Uh, so his knee might still be bothering him. Uh, Gus Edwards, obviously a very productive running back whenever he's had the opportunity to uh, to carry the ball. So I, I like him now. I kind of bumped him up my, uh, you know, attrition rankings. The other thing I wanted to mention was that I noticed some, you know, you're looking at these at the queue and you're looking at the ADP and you're like, wow, it just really got ugly quickly. And I don't know if you guys saw that as well. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I like any of these guys. And it was right around the time that, you know, like a Geno Smith would go off the board or a Richardson or uh, Tua. Uh, so it may not be a bad play if you if you are looking at that same range and kind of like eh, i don't really like any of these guys to sort of plan your draft to draft one or two of those quarterbacks at that point really load up on the talent at other positions uh you know first through eighth round and be pretty loaded everywhere else and then just sort of bank on a couple of uh, quarterbacks late and speaking of targeting upside for your benches jason you take jerome ford now yeah, I mean, this is where you're just trying to, you know, this is a player you can move on from, but um, he's second on the depth chart uh, behind Nick Chubb. There's really no other option. So he, I'm curious how involved he'll be with Kareem Hunt gone, just in general. Like, how much work will he receive? Will he be someone that could even be in a flex? Um, or is he completely just an insurance policy only and the next man up should Nick Chubb get injured? Uh, but, you know, that's just the type of player you're looking for right now. And the type of player I think also fits the bill here for Chuba Hubbard. So I'm going to tack him on just in case Miles Sanders is not the three down option or gets injured. And then as we are looking for deeper wide receivers here, I do like DJ Chark. He goes right before me in best ball. It seems like a weekly headache to figure out when to start and sit DJ Chark in redraft formats. But I am very open in these type of 
deeper leagues to tack on Jaden Reed as a as a sleeper option at wide receiver. 203 career receptions in college. And we know being good on special teams, a good returner, translates to the NFL, how you see the field and yards after the catch. And Jaden Reed averaged 20 yards per kick return and 15 and a half yards per punt return in college. Also had 18 career carries as a do-it-all type of player. So I really like Jaden Reed just in case the target shares don't shake out for Christian Watson dominating targets from Jordan Love this year. It is. Back to you in the middle, though, Jason. Yeah, so I'm looking here at a bunch of different options. Usually when I'm in the the very last round, you know, what is this, the 15th round, um, I'm often taking rookies. I'm often taking guys that just we we haven't really seen, and maybe there's a surprising breakout. Dwayne McBride um, has an opportunity uh, Israel Abanaconda was a player that I really liked his film. He's behind, uh, you know, Brees Hall, who maybe doesn't get back. But I'm going to go a little deeper, a little bit more surprising just for fun's sake. And I'm going to go with Sean Tucker, undrafted uh, rookie running back who went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a free agent. He had some health issues. I think during the combine it was like reported, like, will he ever play again or something like that? And went undrafted, but in the pre-draft process, seemed like a really solid back. And I think that the depth chart he's going to, he can just win it. Um, so, and it's a 15th round pick, so I'll probably cut him week one and and uh, replace him on the roster. That and he did quietly receive 155,000 guaranteed as an undrafted free agent. I know that doesn't seem like much in terms of NFL contracts, but that's actually a lot more than what usually players make on offense for as an undrafted player. So yeah, I, I think they actually want to give Sean Tucker at least a chance to see what he can do in the preseason and go from there. Paulson, it is your responsibility though, to pick Mr. Irrelevant here and cap off the draft. Yeah, I mentioned uh, Jake Ferguson. That might be a pick that I would make with Waller as my in a real draft as my tight end. But I just wanted to mention uh, Zamir White. Uh, this whole thing with Josh Jacobs smells funny. Uh, he seems like he's pretty dug in. I wouldn't be surprised if he missed some games either via just holding out or perhaps coming back late, getting injured. Uh, and Zamir White seems to be the most likely player there to take over the, the rushing load. I mean, they do have Amir Abdullah, uh, pass catcher, Brandon Bolden, et cetera. But uh, White seems to be the possible stopgap if, if Jacobs misses time. With that being said, Jason, it looks like you have finished your draft with seven running backs, uh, six wide receivers, and then, of course, one tight end, one quarterback. So anything you would have changed moving along with these players? Uh, you know, knowing uh, with hindsight, I, I probably would have grabbed a wide receiver instead of David Montgomery and still grabbed Antonio Gibson later. I might have, uh, also, I might've looked at, uh, at getting Herbert at quarterback, knowing that half the league is going to double up on quarterbacks here, but uh, overall I'm, I'm pretty happy with my roster. Paulson, you had the Nick Chubb, Stephon Diggs, Jameer Gibbs, Lamar Jackson start. How do you think you fared in this one? Any changes? Uh, I, you know, I think I probably would stick with my picks. The only thing maybe is Lockett over Ayuk. I'm, I'm just kind of debating that those two players, I think Ayuk, they both have a lot of talent, both great route runners, but Lockett may have a little bit more volume. 
uh, week to week. We we do know that uh, Brock Purdy seems to favor Debo Samuel uh, when all three are healthy, and it, he seems to get the first read. Uh, so that's my little worry with Ayuk. Um, but you know, the rest of the uh, roster looks pretty solid. I don't think I'd make any major changes. And before we get out of here, Paulson and I already did our flag plants, had an episode just a few weeks ago. So Jason, I need to ask you, who do you think will be your highest roster player in fantasy football this year? Who is your flag plant? Uh, I, I think it's a player I drafted in the third round. I think it's going to be Mark Andrews. He, to me, I, I think there's a legitimate like high odds that he finishes the season as the tight end one. Um, and if he does, it, getting him in the third round is a massive, massive discount. So uh, with Todd Monken in town and uh, just, the, you know, the passing volume that I expect to go up in Baltimore, Mark Andrews, basically if I'm in the middle of the third, he's on my roster. Everyone knows where they can find the fantasy footballers, but just in case they've been living under a rock, Jason, go ahead and tell them where to find the rest of y'all's work. The internet. I mean, internet.com. Just, just internet.com. You can go anywhere. Just uh, you can go to the fantasyfootballers.com. You can uh, go to YouTube. You can go to your podcast app. Where, wherever you are, we are. It turns out SEO is great when you put fantasy football in the title. Paulson, what else do you have for everyone on the site? I'm starting my 99 stats, but a Mitch ain't one article uh, and I've kind of wrapped up my player blurbs. I'll probably do a few more here and there, but a uh, big stats article coming out early next week. And I had a $125 best ball draft. If you want to check that out, 20 rounds that I streamed solo last night free on the 44 YouTube channel. We will be back next week with more news and projections updates and more friends to talk fantasy football. But until then, be a little bit kinder than what's required. We'll see you next time.